0: Hello and welcome to Healthy Talks, the podcast where all voices from across the healthcare spectrum come together. We're thrilled to bring you insights, stories and discussions from a diverse array of healthcare professionals. Whether you're a nurse, a doctor, a therapist or anyone passionate about health and wellness, this is your platform. So let's dive into today's topic and explore the world of healthcare like never before. Join us as we embark on this journey of knowledge, empathy, and innovation together. And welcome to Healthy Talks. I'm your host for this episode, Joshua, and today we are joined by William King, who is going to be taking us through his journey as a healthcare professional and how he ended up being here at Clinical24, which is one of our brands here at ICG. So yes, welcome, William. How are you today?
1: I'm good, Joshua. Yourself?
0: I'm very well. Thank you. It's midday here. It's a very good Monday. The weather's great. I can't complain. I can't complain at all. (laughs) All right. Let's start. So, William, you began your nursing career as a nursing assistant. And you, as we've discussed before, you were very inspired by observing registered nurses at work. Can you maybe share some moments or experiences that led you to decide pursuing nursing as a profession?
1: Yeah, I remember it very vividly, actually, um, that I was, like you said, a care assistant, and I was watching a registered nurse attend to a patient who was severely depressed and couldn't uh, motivate herself to uh, attend to her personal care and assist, her, so she was assisting getting her dressed. And the nurse showed no great compassion. To this lady uh, at all and there was it highlighted bad practice basically even as a care assistant i could uh recognize bad practice and i thought well if she can qualify for as a nurse and go to the university um, i'm sure i can as well and that was a massive motivator for me was the actual bad practice of a nurse So uh, I could better that, I thought, and hopefully I have through my career.
0: Amazing, amazing. When you say bad practice, what was she kind of
1: doing that Uh, was bad practice? She just didn't show any interest in the lady. It it was a task. She was fulfilling a task of getting this lady dressed rather than Mm -hmm. actually showing any interest in the lady. And the lady was... uh, very reluctant because she was demotivated because she was depressed and Mm. that wasn't taken into consideration it was just about fulfilling the task of getting this lady dressed and probably moving on to the next person so it was more task orientated than actually person-centered care that she was providing.
0: Yeah and do you kind of find that to be quite a a a general Thing that happens or right. throughout your career that people just check the check t- the task okay. list.
1: No, no, hopefully not. I think it was just this um, nurse's um, practice, and hopefully she was having a bad day, and it wasn't always like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, on this set day, uh, I always remember it was good. Uh, but no, I think most nurses nowadays are very patient-centered and person-centered, mm-hmm. and that and their care provision, and no longer see it as a uh, task-orientated profession.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that this patient was dealing with depression, and I know that you've mentioned to me that you've trained as a mental health nurse, to which you've qualified back in 1997. Yeah. Um, What drew you to this particular nursing specialisation, and what are some of the early experiences in mental health nursing?
1: Well, in mental health nursing, like you quite rightly said, I qualified in 97 and uh, some of my experiences weren't that nice actually, (laughs) Um, but that's part of uh, dealing with uh, people with mental health uh, problems. So um, things like dealing with people who attempted suicide, so finding people who have used ligatures and suspended themselves in bathrooms? That's one of my early uh, career uh, stories. Also, recovering uh, patients from electrical uh, electroconvulsive therapy, which is a treatment that still goes on today, but uh, to a lesser degree, where people get electrodes put to the, t- the temples of their head and which induces a seizure mm. and the length of seizure results in the uh, progress of the depression. So it's a treatment for uh, depression which uh, is drug resistant basically. Uh, but you can imagine seeing someone getting electric shock um, obviously under anaesthesia. Um, isn't too pleasant and recovering these but on the positive side it works and I've saw uh, many people um, standard of life improve through uh, getting this treatment it's just not a very nice treatment to watch.
0: Yeah yeah and tell me your first job um, was in secure disability nursing right?
1: Yes it Uh, was.
0: Yeah, so tell me what were some of the difficulties that you encountered in that specific line of work and how did it shape your view of healthcare profession at the time?
1: I think in learning disabilities um, it was difficult uh, because the level of stress and distress behaviours that were exhibited, so people would call it challenging behaviour here in Scotland now, the preferred term was stress and distress behaviours, um, and every day um, you went to work and you were assaulted. Too strong a word, but mm-hmm. you would be subject to being punched or kicked or like slapped oh by um, by patients because they didn't know any better. And, you know, it was their mental health and that you were trying to work with them to maintain their dignity. But sometimes it wasn't what they wanted to do. So they protested. And being straight out of university, um, you thought you could change the world, basically, you know, and you were going to be (laughs) a, a super nurse and you quickly realise, do you know, that um, you have to sort of cut your ideas down a, a little bit and, you know, be a bit slower in um, mm. your presentation rather than just having a head full of university uh, work. You actually slow things down and look at the people you're dealing with and look at the person behind that behaviour. And why yeah. you're behaving in that manner.
0: Yeah, and I can assume that it's challenging, but you also went through to adolescent psychiatry, Yeah, um, and I think we discussed that that's where you sort of felt the love and for that specific area and felt the need to add and contribute more to it. Um, could you maybe elaborate on how what appealed to you at the time in this field and what was the importance of such therapy for young patients?
1: Um, Definitely um, the adolescent unit that I worked in was one of three in Scotland so you had a third of Scotland's uh, illest um, teenagers under your care so you can imagine um, they were quite ill uh, young people and mm. What I enjoyed here I was I spent 13 weeks there as a student nurse Um, so I was really really happy to go back as a staff nurse and what I enjoyed was they partook in uh, talking therapies so it wasn't a medical model where which had been used in previous jobs or in acute psychiatry there wasn't a lot of talking therapy there um, and you were involved in like family therapy groups so uh, you could look at the bigger picture for this uh, young person and see how that affected their mental health and work together with the family um, because obviously it's quite disturbing for the family as well um, to have a young person so ill. So, you provided support to the family and greater family as well as the young person, and I really enjoyed that element of it that you could work as a group to better the life of the young person rather than just be a nurse and medicalize their condition. Um, mm. you, you looked at the greater parts of it, and that could be socialization, it could be taking them. To the cinema, you know, so they had normal aspects of their uh, adolescent life as well, which was really important.
0: Yeah, and just a side question: Was there a lot of work done around that area of nursing at the time?
1: It's vastly grown now, um, child and adolescent uh, mental health. Quite rightly so, it was a much-needed growth um and I'm really happy to see it grow. Um, There wasn't at that time masses of work and uh, you found that a lot of uh, the young people who had eating disorders were going to adult wards um, rather than having like adolescent service wards or um, children's nurses who were aware of um, eating disordered uh, Children and the trials and tribulations that they went through um, with their condition. Yeah, so it's, mu- it's much better now that um, we've got joint working with paediatric teams as well as uh, mental health teams, which really wasn't there in uh, idea working there.
0: Yeah, and going into caring for children with de- eating disorders sort of moving into adult care, because I know that we've mentioned this, or you've mentioned it before, Mm -hmm. that they were sort of put into adult care instead of having their own sense of care. Sort of what, how has your experience in this field shaped your approach to caring for paediatric patients?
1: I think as a mental health nurse and a paediatric nurse, um, I've always looked at the mental health aspect or the effect of emotion on the patient even with a physical condition Um, when I moved to Mm -hmm. paediatrics. I was always aware that it was stressful for the patient, they were out of their comfort zone, they were in hospital, they didn't have maybe the toys or the game consoles that they were used to so they were bored you know and it was about providing a social aspect to their time in hospitals so they didn't feel bored it was supporting parents again who had sick children and the anxiety of that and letting them know it was okay to go and have a cup of tea or do you know where a mm. lot of parents a lot of parents would uh, spend time at the bedside and you would have to like support them and saying it's okay you need to keep yourself well as well you have to um, have something to eat and drink so we'll watch your child your child will be okay and uh, while you're away and reassure the child that it was mum had to go for something to eat and mm. that's where you might use a play therapist or a, another member of staff to um, support them um, and spend time with the child well. And it's massively important to see the whole picture of um, the psychological well-being of a child as well as the physical well-being of the child as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. And you also went into intensive care. And I, th- I think you mentioned that you were there for six years. And you yeah. also noted it was quite a demanding role, you know, and maybe just tell us a bit about what skills and qualities you sort of came to understand were most critical for nurses or for yourself in those high pressure environments. And, and I can imagine it was also very challenging. So how did you go about with those challenges?
1: Most of my career has been intensive care, either paediatric intensive care or neonatal intensive care. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is very challenging. But again, it comes down to support. And it goes back to sort of my answer that is like supporting a child when they were awake, if they were awake, do you know, and they weren't like on medication that uh, made them sleepy or sedated and supporting a parent through and explaining everything that was going on to a parent and some of the challenges were simple things like children didn't understand the lines and wires that they had on them so they'd try and pull at them do you know where... In an adult intensive care, you can tell the person, you know, this is for uh, this, this is for that, you know, and they understand. But a two year old child who's uh, went under cardiac surgery because the unit I worked in was Scotland's cardiac surgery unit um, for paediatrics. So a lot of times they'd have drains in their chest and impulse on a child is to if they don't want it they'll pull it away and try and Mm. so uh, trying to prevent them pulling drains out lines off like like drips out their arm things and it was doing it in the most humane way but keeping that patient safe you know and explaining uh, to parents the needs of these uh, things initially and getting them away as soon as possible so as soon as you could take that drip down get it away so it was one less thing distressing for that child and again for the parents because do you know again it's about seeing them as a, a family mm-hmm. group, do you know and supporting yeah. the family rather than just the parent or uh, the child um so yeah it was it was a very challenging role but a very interesting role as well and uh sometimes i i I do uh, fondly think about it and miss it a little you know but you know it's a a part of my career that i have done and i've moved on from
0: yeah and then you also eventually moved into home care um the motivation behind this change and you know how did it feel to return to a role similar to where you began as a care assistant?
1: So I moved uh, to uh, care homes after being in the NHS service for approximately 20 years and if I'm being very very honest with you I was a bit disillusioned um, by the NHS at that point, there's been lots of changes. Um, so I moved back to uh, care of the elderly in care homes and I went as a unit manager. And although you, I can see the similarity of it being care of the elderly, like you said, it was a very different role to being a care assistant. The client group was the same, um, the responsibilities uh, were very different. And um being in private healthcare as well, you had to have a, a different outlook mm-hmm. as well. Um because sadly um there's um financial implications of it, you know, um in healthcare where the NHS you never really saw the financial implications of it to a great a great degree. Um, So, yeah, um, I was always interested in uh, care of the elderly, It's where my career started, and I enjoyed um, care homes. I started in care homes as a unit manager and ended up as a care home manager um, and looked after numerous care homes as a care home manager, registered with the care inspectorate. Um, So, yeah, it was good, it was challenging, and it went back to um, mental health, and at a point that I thought, this is real nursing care, that you're providing basic, basic nursing care to people who have offered so much to society. Um, Mm. Like uh, Being able to sit with people in a care home and hear their stories, and because they have a cognitive impairment or a a mental health uh, issue, you could still sit and learn from them, do you know, and Mm -hmm. learn a great deal from their attitudes. And I enjoyed that aspect of it, do you know? uh, Again, it was giving them time and giving them social time and listening to people. Do you know, yeah. and I think communication in mental health, uh, nursing, and paediatric nursing or t- children's nursing, is forefront to everything. Do you know, yeah. because if you can't communicate and make your care known, do you know that's how? Like, uh, if we're going back to the previous question, you end up getting a slap or a punch because you've (laughs) not made yourself clear on what your intentions are. Um, So communication is like extremely important and that's what I did enjoy about um, my time in care homes. Yeah
0: and I think I would also like to know, like, sort of what, how did you end up coming to ICG? And for those of you who are listening into this podcast, uh, ICG Medical is a healthcare recruitment agency that has namely three brands. And as we've pointed out before, William, you work for Clinical24, and Voice of Nursing also falls under the ICG Medical brand and umbrella. So, yeah, tell us about how you just came to stumble on to icG' doorstep
1: yeah this is a, a really bizarre story <laughs> um, because I was on holiday and uh, in Grand canaria, and I get a phone call um asking if I was interested in a post of manager and for Scotland, and I was totally unaware and um, management in ICG had found my CV and uh, made the call directly. So as I was on holiday, I was like, I can't really interview at the moment. Uh, So after I came back, again another phone call and uh, interviewed, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it sounds interesting. It it, it was an ideal time uh, for me. Um, I had went through all the trials of COVID. Um, and the in care home settings, and for anyone who's uh, listening to the podcast, was, uh, no, fine that the trials and tribulations of uh, the COVID pandemic on mm. um, care homes, especially. And I was I was ready for a move, and the call from ICG couldn't. have came at a better time. It wasn't an area I was aware of. I had never worked in an agency uh, previously and it's different, but it's exciting. Every day is different for me. There's not two days the same and my role as a registered manager and you still have an element of care because you're looking at policies you're looking mm-hmm. at standards of care provided by the staff that work for us and ensuring that that reaches like the best standards ever looking at best practice statements you know so there's a lot of reading and knowing uh the importance of best standards and how you can portray that to um staff at work for you so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a really interesting uh post i've now been with icg or clinical 24 for a year and you know i'm still learning a massive massive learning curve but a really interesting uh learning curve and really grateful for the opportunity uh that was presented to me while I was on holiday. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, someone who's been through numerous phases um, in your career, what kind of advice would you have for new v- nurses who may be considering different specialities or seeking to broaden their skill set?
1: I think all nursing goes back to um, thinking about the person that you're caring Mm -hmm. for and and recognizing it's a person that you're caring for. It's not a task. It's not a job list. There's a person at the end of that care and how you react to them, how you communicate to them can have consequences forever. You know, a a, a good experience with a good nurse will always be remembered as, as will a poor experience with a a nurse always be yeah. remembered and um, the latter doesn't do anything for the profession do you know and nursing has for a long time to be recognized as a profession and have standards recognizable that it is a good profession to be in and you know care of the person rather than a diagnosis or uh, a tick box exercise. I would say that is the most important thing uh, is looking at your patient and seeing them as a patient and a person that you can work together to gain the best sort of outcome together for them. You know, it should be a collaborative thing. It shouldn't be a nurse dictating to a patient what they need, it should be the patient dictating to the nurse what they want and working together to achieve that for that patient. Yeah, yeah, so true.
0: Well, William, thank you so much for joining us here at Voice of Nursing. It's been really good to chat to you and yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with everything that you've done and it's so good to have you on our team, hear great things about you here at the clinical 24 team. that's all for today's episode of Healthy Talks. Thank you for joining us and being a part of this diverse and insightful journey through the world of healthcare. Your engagement and passion fuel our discussions and inspire every episode. Don't forget to subscribe for more engaging content and share your thoughts with us on our social media platforms and YouTube channel. Until next time, stay curious, stay informed, and keep making a difference in the healthcare community.